0: Hi, everyone. This is Maxine Ryan with Prosper Podcast, and today's guest is Cooper Turley, but you might know him better as Cooper Trooper on Twitter. (laughs) Um, It's rumored that every DAO leads to Cooper, so I thought I'd get him on Prosper Podcast to discuss his take on the underground scene of decentralized autonomous organizations and how DAOs will lead to a better future um, for social organization on Web3. So, Cooper, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Maxine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, it's... um, I think it is true. Like every DAO does lead to you. So do you want to kind of explain a little bit about how you kind of became a DAO enthusiast and like kind of become like a leader in this
1: space? Sure. Well, thank you very much for that description. You know, on my end, I basically try and work on whatever is most pressing at any given moment. And so recently that's been the DAO ecosystem. You know, I'm really driven by internet communities that are working together to solve common goals. And so the past six to 12 months of my life has really been identifying pockets of people that are really inspired by this space and doing what I can to help them. Now, naturally, I think we've seen an influx of these DAOs starting and taking form. And so my role now is basically just to help get them situated, help find the right people to contribute and do what I can add, add value everywhere across the board.
0: Wow. I mean, like, I love that because I think there's such a big community aspect. And I think later on, we will talk about like, you know, social versus capital value. And we had a conversation, I think like last week or something where we we're saying that like, you know, now capital just isn't really enough or it's not actually what people think they need to get started. And like communities are just getting stronger and stronger. So let's kind of like go back in time a little bit. Um, you know, tell us how you got into Ethereum and how you got into the space. Did you kind of get introduced into Bitcoin first and then like Ethereum just seemed like super cool? Like how did that happen for you? Yes,
1: yeah, so I have a bit of an unconventional story. So I was going to school for music business. You know, music is my first and foremost passion. At the time I had a professor in college who talked to us about these things called smart contracts. For those who don't know in music, when I play your stream today, you often won't see a payment for six months. You know, there's a whole system that happens behind closed doors that you don't really know about. And so when I learned about a technology that allowed me to pay you in real time and have all that be publicly verifiable, I was instantly sold on it. You know, from there, I started doing a little bit of digging. I found out about this platform called Ethereum. I found out about all the cool projects that were building on top of it. And just as I was getting ready to graduate, you know, I didn't really see myself ever working a corporate job or a nine to five. And so I saw crypto as this way for me to really explore more entrepreneurial roots, you know, really carve a name for myself. And at that point, I just dove in, you know, basically spent the last five years traveling around the world, going to crypto conferences, spending all of my time online on Twitter, Telegram, Discord, you know, really figuring out what it means to live like a very digitally native life. And I've been very lucky to find myself working with some really, really smart people that also uh, do a very similar thing.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's really great to hear. So, um, I know that you're like a community leader for Audius, right?
1: Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, I run crypto strategy at Audius. This is a decentralized streaming platform. Um, for me, as I mentioned, music is something that I'm really passionate about, and specifically for Audius. You know, I love the fact that most of the users have never touched crypto before. A lot of my work is working with crypto native communities, people who have MetaMask, people who are very familiar with smart contracts. But, you know, with Audius, it's a bunch of new users who love discovering new music. But most of the time, have never heard of what crypto is before. So for that project, I was really excited to be brought on board to help launch the token. Um, did a lot of early work around governance design and around a lot of the feature integrations with crypto. So that on Audius, you don't need crypto to get started. But if you start to look under the hood and you want to go deeper, you know, we have on ramps and funnels to be able to get you more involved. So that as either an artist or a listener, you can go deeper into this whole creator economy rabbit hole that I'm super passionate about.
0: Yeah, I think what you said about how a lot of um, the newcomers to the space, like being introduced to, to it on like the DAO aspect are just completely new. Um, and like that's what we need, right? Like we need adoption. We need kind of the utility of crypto to be like prevalent for everybody to use. And I think that now that cryptocurrencies and I guess in the space of like NFTs and DAOs are kind of really opening that like floodgate for people um, because it's like the utility is not so much in finance, like it's in art, it's in like culture, right? Um, so that's super cool. So you know NFTs are having its moment. Like I'm currently a penguin online. I see <laughs> it. I've uh, seen it. Yeah, like, you know, it was super interesting because it's like, I've been looking at the NFT space kind of from like outside and I just mentioned something about the penguins and like literally the next minute I had 300 penguins following me on Twitter and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. wow. Like if there are enough people changing their profile photos to a penguin and then like feeling... I guess, like confident enough to tell me that I should be a penguin. I should really check it out. So I went into their discord, like the energy there was crazy. But, you know, we see that NFT is having its moment. Um, Do you think that this momentum will roll into DAOs eventually? And, you know, if so, why? Because I think a lot of people are kind of thinking of NFTs as like, it's just like a profile photo that people use. They're not really getting like why it's important. Do you see that there's a connection between NFTs and DAOs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that community and ownership is something that we always seek for in our life far beyond crypto, you know, finding a family and people to hang out with. Thankfully for NFTs, we now have financial assets that represent our identity online. And so what we see now is this big push towards community trends where people are coming together in a discord, talking about the rarities of these different traits. And what I look forward to is going beyond that sort of first meme level of like changing my profile picture to instead doing working projects together. So what does it mean for all of our Penguin holders to pool? 100 ETH together and start building products and services around the likeness of penguins. You know, that's where I see the Dow on-ramp being really special is going from we're all in this together to okay, we all recognize we're in this together. What does it mean for us to create and build value together and use sort of these underlying financial assets as a means to coordinate and incentivize people?
0: I really liked this like um, article that you co-authored called The Rise of Microeconomies. And you state there that entering, in, we're entering into a new chapter of investing, where instead of investing in memes like you know Doge and GameStop, where it's largely speculative and like I guess a joke, there's now a shift towards investing in microeconomies. And do you kind of go into, like, can you describe to us this idea of this new asset class that we're seeing that seems to like intertwine social with financial concepts? Capital. Yeah, side? absolutely.
1: i think for the first time in history we now have the ability to invest in the communities that we love you know i think uh, likening these to small mom and pop businesses around the corner from where we live physically we now see these online you know discord servers can be anywhere from 10 people to 10,000 people what's really exciting about crypto is that we now have the ability to spin up assets you know either in the form of nfts or fungible tokens to help coordinate and align people so a lot of what i think about is actually not looking at these multi-billion dollar protocols that are sort of front and center on everyone's radar it's actually going deeper and looking under the hood to where is there an internet group of 50 people working together that spin a token up out of thin air and use it to incentivize one another? And I think the coolest part is that for someone getting involved in the space, you don't need to have a deep amount of expertise or knowledge to find a working group that feels really personal to you, be able to take ownership in that vehicle and then do some really cool stuff together.
0: Yeah, so are you saying that essentially if... Um, there's a community of like less than a thousand people. There's really no reason why they kind of can't create their own co-op, right. Of like mm. shared values, but also shared skill set. And I think people in the past have tried to do this in like the physical world. Like you always see that there's maybe like a grocery co-op and like everybody's kind of going there to, I guess, chip in and you get to like share their skills. But I feel like it never really took off like this ideal. I think in the past, I don't want to say it's like anti-capitalism, Um but it's like, it's almost like everything that people didn't like about capitalism, you can have now in like a digital world where it is, it does feel more equal.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the biggest difference there is that there's now a way to actually quantifiably measure ownership in that entity. You know, I think with co-ops of the past, it was very social in nature. You would go and you would make friends there, you would have a social ladder that you were building up against. But most of the time those co-ops either weren't profitable, or if they were profitable, it was, you know, held by the one or two members who started in the first place you know, now that we have tokens and sort of assets that represent ownership, when we put together 100 ETH into a community treasure and we start allocating that, we can have tokens that act as voting weight, we can have more communal decisions being made. And I think over time, you know, as it gets easier to join the space, so is the access to those instruments in the first place. And so if I'm coming into the space, and I don't have a lot of capital contribute, but I do have a lot of energy, time and attention to put into it. There are more liquid ways of being able to earn this ownership. And I believe that's such a huge unlock for the way that people spend their time online and how they're going to earn money in the future.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, you know, you're involved in a lot of successful DAOs out there. Um, You know, which ones would you say that for people to get started, they should get introduced to? What do they do? And, you know, we can get into how they self-govern later on.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think the one that I'm spending the most time on right now is called Friends with Benefits. This is the ultimate cultural membership. Basically, what does it mean to be a part of an internet community that's building meaningful products and services together? You know, this is a group that I've been uh, lucky enough to help create an inception and been an active member of for quite a long time now. I will say that at this point, you know, it's definitely a pretty big beast. And so for those just getting started today, there's a DAO called Forefront that I'm really passionate about. Forefront's a great place to get started with sort of learning about crypto, helping to other, educate other people about things like DAOs and social tokens. And they have amazing workshops every week where they bring in thought leaders. They talk about what's happening. So if you're looking to get started without having to put in a financial contribution, I think heading over to Forefront and checking out what they're doing is a really great place to start.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's interesting that you said that people don't have to have a financial contribution. So do you think that just kind of like showing up and then seeing where you're placed in that community is enough?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the value and the information that you learn from being active in those communities is actually more important than whatever capital you're able to earn out of the gate. You know, I kind of see this uh, growth curve where someone new to crypto feels very overwhelmed at first. And so when they're able to find a location to just recurringly come back to, you know, see the same faces, learn from the same people you know, start recognizing where people are spending their time and energy. I think first and foremost, it's going to be a lot easier for you to start picking and choosing where to direct your attention. And then after you see kind of a landscape of things going on, being really selective about saying, hey, I'm really good at this specific vertical, this DAO, and I want to now make a proposal to be involved in this and get paid for it. You know, I think that's kind of the one-two process to be able to go from excited about DAOs to then recognizing where DAOs are happening. And then from there, actually being able to take on responsibility and ownership to be able to earn liquid income from that.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so let's talk about how these DAOs self, self-govern. Like I know that right now it's largely experimental and people are kind of figure out like there, there's no standard of how a DAO is existing. Um, but when I think about like the existing way that we like structure votes and things like that, I think about the democracy that we have today, which is like, you know, you know one person, one vote. And we know that that model doesn't particularly work in like the DAO model, right? Because it just happens to, kind of roll into the scenario where if you just have the most tokens, then you have the most say. How do you think DAOs are like self-governing? Are they still following this like one-to-one model? Or is there been more experimental, I guess, like voting systems that these DAOs are exploring?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think across the board, one token equal one vote is kind of the default for this. You know, you see this in most major DeFi protocols where the more tokens that you hold, the more voting power you have. You know, what we're starting to see now though is that voting is not only about your financial capital, it's also about your social capital. And specifically with the new delegation tools in place, you see that a lot of DAOs have, let's call it five to 10 core contributors who hold the most social capital in the group. And regardless of how many tokens they hold, if they feel strongly about a proposal in one way or another, they're able to influence other people to vote the same way. And so as far as self-governing is concerned, I'd say right now we're very much in a um, trusted ownership model where there are core contributors for each of these organizations that are helping to lead a lot of these decisions. And what we're really pioneering now is that, you know, DAOs are open and accessible vehicles to everyone. A lot of people historically did not care about governance, but specifically with social clubs, we're starting to see that people do care a lot about the governance. And so now we're trying to figure out where do these discussions need to take place? How do we structure town halls to make sure that everyone's heard and their opinions are valued? And then how do we lean on these very specific leaders of these DAOs to help, you know, steward in governance in a very meaningful way and put these things forward to votes that we can actually enact upon the changes that we want to see.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, the, the thing is in this space, like everything is such like, it's just such fast like iteration over and over. So like, as soon as like a model doesn't work, I feel like it gets fixed very, very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, something that I think you and I are both really passionate about is the creator economy and the idea of creator ownership. And, um, you know, at Prosper, like we really care about that type of stuff. Like we want to make sure that our creators are owners and they should be stakeholders in what they provide so much value to. Um, do you want to go into maybe like, the creator economy in the past, and where it's going now? Because I feel like those two are very different in terms of what ownership means.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I think in the past, when you think about creators on traditional platforms, they make a ton of value for a platform. You know, They'll amass millions of followers. They'll be driving a lot of engagement on their posts and whatnot, but there's never been a way for them to really earn ownership in the form of equity in these platforms. You know, These platforms have done a fantastic job of building the infrastructure for creators to build followings, but they really haven't done a good job of allowing them to translate that following into something meaningful from a capital perspective. You know, Luckily now we see that a lot of influencers are very savvy when it comes to sponsorships and brand deals and whatnot, but it kind of stops there. You know, like As far as interacting with the primary platform, a lot of the time, the biggest creators on these platforms do not have ownership stakes in the networks that they're using. And so what we're seeing now is this transition from consumer of a platform to actually being an owner of it. And for a lot of these new web three creator economy platforms, If you're creating meaningful value for a platform, you're earning ownership, typically in the form of tokens that then give you governance, right, and access to be able to influence the future of that platform. And I think that that mentality of recognizing that whoever creates the most value in your network should be the one earning the most ownership. So that's a really powerful precedent, not only for creators, but also for the users of the platform on an everyday basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you foresee in the future that people are kind of not just married to one DAO, but they kind of have these tokens in like many different DAO, DAOs depending on, I guess, like what communities they get involved in?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that I'm a testament of that. You know, I have ownership stakes in a bunch of different projects. I really pride myself on trying to be an active contributor across all of them. But I think what we're going to see is that most people have a home base. So a project that they're front and center on, they're most active on a day to day, but that project's going to touch a lot of other ones. And within that sort of surrounding ecosystem, I think we're going to start to see people taking, you know, alignment stakes in them. So I might be part of one DAO, like friends with benefits, but if I own tokens in the whale community or in seed club or in forefront, you know, it all works together. And in aggregate, we're building out this web wider and wider. So it's not just about you having to take ownership in one project and only worrying about that from like an exclusivity standpoint. I think it's a very positive sum game in the sense that key learnings from the DAO you're working for every day can be very helpful in the DAO next door to you. And if you can take those learnings and help them, chances are you'll be able to earn some ownership stake in what they're doing as well.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really great like point to kind of roll into social value versus capital value, right? And... I'm sure like people who are listening to this who've like never heard of a DAO, they're really new to crypto, their old model of thinking might be like, well, you know what are these what are these social tokens worth? like what are these tokens really worth at the end of the day if it's not financial at the beginning? And we've had this conversation, and I think you explained it really eloquently, but do you want to go into like if somebody's completely new to this, and much like they would question Ethereum or Bitcoin, they're saying to you, like, where's the value in this if it's not monetary?
1: Yeah. That's a great question. And I think the biggest challenge for DAOs is figuring out how to value culture. You know, I think right now in the markets we live in, we look at balance sheets, we look at profits and losses and more financial statements. What we see now with the internet is people want to invest in memes more so than they do in a balance sheet. And so what DAOs offer is a way to a coordinate people who are interested in doing the same thing. So maybe to take a step back, the way that I think of DAOs are internet communities with a shared bank account. So if I come together with my friend and we all pull capital together, how do we make decisions? And using that capital, we can now start to create financial resources that we can allocate amongst one another. And so, when we have these tokens, you know, the value of them is not only sort of the value of the assets in our treasury; it's also the strength of that community. You know, it's very much a vibe check. Like you just go into a yeah. Discord relative to how strong it is, relative to how well you know the community is talking about one another on Discord and on Twitter. You often see that the price of the token is going to appreciate in tandem. And to a lot of people, this can be really hard to kind of grasp. It's like, oh, how is this random internet community worth like a hundred million dollars? Like that makes no sense, you know, get really angry about it. But I think when you take a step back, you start to recognize that value is a preconceived notion. You know, it's whatever people think is valuable is actually valuable. And as a collective, we're now starting to determine how do we place a value on culture and how do we create assets that are able to reflect that in public sentiment?
0: Yeah, why, why do you think people get so mad? Because it's like, I was, this is something that's really interesting about the crypto space is that, there's kind of this new era that's like becoming a big reality. And it seems as though it's gonna kind of be like that next frontier of getting mass adoption. And some yeah. people in the like crypto community are just so mad. Like, do you know where this, this hate is coming from? <laughs>
1: I mean, I'll only make an assumption here, but I think um, mm. financial literacy is a very empowering form of identity. You know, if you're someone that's gone very deep, done like a traditional finance rabbit hole, that's a very complicated industry. You know, there's a lot of prestigious universities that teach that. There's a lot of courses you can take, like charter financial analysts, CPAs, for example. And when you start to see people around you making money doing degenerate gambling games using crypto, it can be very frustrating. You know, in a traditional market, if you see a 10 to 20% gain in a year, that's phenomenal. And then you hop over to crypto and you see people making a uh, 1,000% gains overnight trading penguins, and you're gonna get pissed yeah. off, you know? And the immediate reaction is to say, that's a scam. It doesn't work. But what you start to see under the hood is that a lot of the people trading penguins are trading very different markets. You know, they're reading community sentiment. They're reading what's happening on OpenSea. They're using Dune Analytics dashboards. And I think that there's a very new set of tools and data analytics available. And for a lot of people who just look at it from the surface, it can be easy to think that it's entirely speculative. But under the hood, there's sort of this secret science about how to read communities. And in my opinion, I think that's equally as valuable as having a financial background.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Actually, like one of the questions I have here is what is the art and science behind building a DAO community? And I think because you've been involved in so many, you'd probably be the best to answer that.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think I'm figuring this out every single day. What I've come to find is that the more people you can find to be passionate about what you're building, the more valuable your product or service is gonna be. So the cool statement that I like to see is DAOs are about community finding product rather than product finding community. You know, in the traditional world, most companies will build a product and then go out into the world and try and find people to to use it. With DAOs, what you're saying is it's people coming together over a shared mission and saying, hey, we all love this idea of this general principle. Let's go and build a product that reflects that. And what we're seeing now is that when you have a community backing a strong product, when you bring that to market, even if it's the shittiest UI in the world, people are going to be willing to jump through hoops because they have a shared financial incentive to make it meaningful through their tokens. And B, they have social capital with one another. You know, they're able to meme together. They're able to go out and start talking about it. And so your question about what builds a strong DAO, I think starting very small with a group of people who actually care about what you're doing, getting five to 10 people into a Discord group and then slowly expanding that circle over time is far more important than trying to look at, you know, how many people are using this when in reality, if you're only focusing on users, you're gonna find that 95% of people don't care what you're working on in the first place.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's like a really interesting way to think about it because I think a lot of people when they start, they're just like, oh my God, I need to get to like 10,000 people immediately. And it's actually no, like, you should build the circles of, I guess, like trust and community slowly over time. And they refer for other people. And I guess like keeping the vibes concentrated. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, you know, you've said that in the creator economy, creator economics is just as important as token economics. And what do you think creators should be aware of when they seek to create their own um, DAO or join another? Like, what does creator economics really
1: mean in this space? I think it's community empowerment. You know, when you think about a creator making a token, the first and foremost metric you're going to want to look at is token price. But I've often found that the more you focus on aligning and incentivizing your community, the more that token price will take care of itself. So it's not about how many tokens do I have? How many am I giving to these people? I think when you really start to look under the surface at who's in your Discord on a day-to-day, and you start to pull out moderators and operators and people who can be playing key roles in your organization, you start to see that these creator economies resemble a startup more so than they do an influencer brand. And I think for a lot of people, that gap of going from a creator to being a CEO can be a challenging one. But if you can properly navigate how to empower the people around you and give yourself shared financial resources, you're going to start to see that the valuation of these creator economies are resembling traditional startups. I think that's where things start to get really, really exciting, both from an investment and an ownership perspective.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much on coming on Prosper Podcast. It was lovely having you. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that?
1: best place to find me is on uh, Twitter at Koopa Troopa. I'm also very active on Discord at Koopa Troopa number 9799. I'm super excited for anyone that wants to reach out. Thank you for listening and thank you for having me. This was a really fun time. Add it up.